0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi. So I don't have a guest this week because of scheduling issues, but I'm going to read a poem by dancer and choreographer Bobby Jean Smith, and also an article um, that a friend sent me called How Showrunners Can Cope with the Grief of a Cancelled Show which was published in The Hollywood Reporter on May 12th and is actually hitting right on the head a lot of the things that we address in this podcast. So if you'd like to hear that, please continue listening. If it doesn't sound up your alley today, check back next week for a new episode with a brand new guest. On a personal note, before we get started, I just realized that yesterday was the one-year anniversary of me starting a full-time day job which just kind of shocked me. I, I hadn't been thinking about it for a while. And then I realized, oh, it's been a year since I made that decision to kind of take a break from auditioning and, um, be less flexible with my day job and make a commitment to, um, give my family a little bit of stability this year when we hope to have a baby. And, um, that has worked. <laughs> it didn't seem like it was working in the middle, but now it's working. And, um, The stability is there in that I'm going to get a paid maternity leave, which is hard to come by in this country. So that's all positive. It's all serving a very positive purpose, but it's still, um, it touches on something that she addresses in this article. You know, it messes with my identity during a time where I'm already pregnant and about to become a mom and I'm, you know, thinking about my identity and how I see myself and how I present myself in a lot of different ways. But it's been a tough year um, to carve out time for my creativity and myself as an artist, and to avoid feeling like people are judging me for this decision or making assumptions about my long-term goals as an artist because of what I'm doing at the moment or the things that I'm not doing at the moment. So I'm just reflecting on that, and that's going to be an ongoing conversation that I would love to have with all of you, and I'm sure I'll talk more about as I go along, but that is the anniversary of the day. So this is an article... Corey Atkins who's a director and a new acquaintance of mine sent me. It's by a friend of his named Laverne McKinnon who is a recovery specialist and a life and executive coach. She also runs a film and TV company as well. It's entitled How Showrunners Can Cope with the Grief of a Cancelled Show. Let's talk about grief. After all, it is the end of pilot season. I'm intimately familiar with the subject, having worked at CBS and Epics and made countless pass phone calls. And as a producer, I'll admit that I've been on the receiving end of more passes than I've given out. And if I'm really honest, there have been several times in my career where I've thought, there must be something wrong with me because I can't move on. The grief got me stuck. Rejection is literally a daily occurrence in this business, complicated by an expectation that one needs to have a thick skin or get over it. If you don't, then you don't belong in entertainment because you're not tough enough. The rejection stories are not just about pilots that don't get greenlit. There are firings, downsizings, missed auditions, pitches that no one buys, ideas that aren't optioned, writers replaced, actors recast, shows canceled, etc, and etc, and etc. What is still taboo in our industry, though, is talking about the grief that occurs in the professional realm. Grief is typically reserved for death. What we do is just entertainment, so why should we be sad? Acknowledging the loss and the grief that occurs in professional situations is a critical part of the human experience. We can't choose to deny aspects of our life and also expect to feel connection and belonging. And if we don't feel connection and belonging, then our communities fall apart. The stakes are that big. Part of the taboo around expressing grief also comes from the importance placed on perception in our industry and our own shame if we aren't at the top of our game. We don't want to appear weak, or that we're not always winning, so we mask our feelings of loss and soldier on. But the grief hangs on like an anchor, either slowing or stopping us completely. There's a double-edged sword at play here. The shame around the loss, I'm a failure, is compounded by the shame around the grief because no one else seems to share it, because no one talks about it. And the ensuing social silence amplifies the interior monologue of judgment or abandonment. You see the cycle? What helps? Finding agency. Taking action that honors our own values and preferences. In writing this piece, I'm taking agency. I want to help lift the discomfort around experiencing and talking about grief. And in talking about it openly, honestly, with compassion and vulnerability, I endeavor to create a sense of belonging. You're not alone if you're judging your reaction to the loss, struggling to find meaning in your loss, or if the meaning you've created is limiting. Samit Kumar, a psychologist specializing in human grief, wrote, We grieve whatever an anchor in our understanding of our identity is lost. Picture your identity as a necklace of precious stones that comes undone and needs to be restrung. Grief can be understood as the process of picking up the pieces of your identity, the stones, Without the help of someone you had assumed would always be there. Without a relationship that was a crucial part of your life. The string. Years ago, when I was fired from my big corporate gig, I didn't just lose my salary and benefits. I lost prestige, power, future income, community, faith, hope. And big shocker, I lost my identity, too. Here's the thing. There's no one right way to grieve. Some people join a group, see a therapist, do art projects... Some people give themselves permission to cry or sequester themselves. Some people jump back into a job, others take a break. Once I returned from my self-imposed exile, I continued on as an executive and producer and also became certified as a grief recovery specialist and life executive coach. My grief represents the depth of my love, care, and connection to my work. That meaning took me years to figure out because I was stuck in shame and didn't know I could talk about my losses openly and with vulnerability. So that's my new identity. No longer someone who's got something wrong with them, but someone who makes a stand for what I believe. Laverne McKinnon will moderate a conversation on this topic at HRTS's Off the Record half-day conference Women of the West on May 18th in Los Angeles. But just in case they post anything about the conversation after the fact on their website, you can go to hrts.org and look for Women of the West. So this is a poem I saw a while ago online, and it can be found on dancemagazine.com. It's by Bobby Jean Smith, who's an incredible dancer and a Gaga movement practitioner and choreographer, as they credit her here on the um, website. It's a poem she wrote called I Dance to Feel Alive. I dance to remember. I dance to forget. I dance to contain. I dance for my mom and dad. I dance to show my love. I dance when I cannot speak. I dance when words won't do any justice. I dance to connect with strangers. I dance to understand. I dance to feel differences. I dance to feel similarities. I dance for the trees. I dance to be inside of a poem. I dance to become a mountain or volcano or an island. I dance because I miss. I dance for all who miss. I dance to pray. I dance to sense how I am getting older. I dance to let go. I dance for all the women in me and all the women who have shaped me. I dance to get softer and more explosive at the same time. I dance to be able to listen more to the world. I dance so I can see wider. I dance to forgive. I dance to feel vulnerable. I dance to feel my strength. I dance to breathe. I dance to sense my weaknesses. I dance to waste my energy. I dance because it is my first language. I dance to show my gratitude. I dance to show my anger. I dance to show my love. I dance when I need a change. I dance to change. I dance to show the scream. I dance to pass the time. I dance to feel alive. I dance to experience effort. I dance to dig. I dance to hope. I dance to practice action. I dance. Thank you for listening to The Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content, and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.